This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Have you ever stopped to wonder what exactly success means to you? Is it money, fame, power, all of the above or none at all? I'm Dashrin Johan and this is Redefining Success, a show where we speak to passionate people from various fields about their lives, what makes them tick and what the word success means to them. In conjunction with International Women's Day this month, we've been highlighting, well, women, a whole slew of them, including uh, entrepreneurs, artists, journalists, and now a teacher. Because my guest on today's show is Chegu Nazira Rosli. She's a primary school teacher. Welcome to the show, Nazira. How do you define success? Thank you for having me. Um, that's such a great question to ask. Uh, it's something that I ask my students as well. What What makes you think uh, someone is successful? But for me, um, I definitely feel that success uh, is when I get to wake up and do something that I love. And with that passion that I have for, for my job, I'm, I can make positive change towards my community and the children that I work with. Right. Okay, so let's get into that, right? Um, you are a teacher, a primary school teacher, um, as I mentioned in the introduction. Why yeah. did you choose to become a teacher? Um. Actually, I, I knew I wanted to become a teacher ever since uh, I'm like in, in year five, year four. Wow. I remember being so young and wanting to become a teacher, daydreaming about one day I'll have my own school, I'll have my <laughs> own roles. I think it's a lot of, uh, it says a lot of what I was dealing at the time. Right. Um, so I always knew that I'm going to become a teacher someday and my mother, uh, she supported me all the way. Right. And, and why? You say you always knew that, right? Um, it's different, perhaps, like, let's say if you're an artist, right? Um, or if you're a musician, perhaps you pick up the guitar for the first time and, and, you, and you have that natural inclination. Or if you go for a music class for the first time or you drew something the first time, perhaps you realize there's a natural inclination or something like that. Um, how did you know that teaching is something that you want to, you know, dedicate your life to, especially at such a young age, you say year four, year five. Yeah, at the time, um, at the time, uh, I had a personal experience where um, I wasn't good at speaking Malay at the time. Right. So, um, so because I had like a very, uh, an English background. So when I come back to, uh, and I was placed into a class where it's just predominantly Malay, I wasn't doing so well. But one of the teachers, um, Unfortunately, I forgot her name, but she led me to become like a mini teacher. Uh, and then she, I always enjoyed that. I always enjoyed that. Oh, I can help people. Um, I, the only problem that I had uh, in that class was like I was struggling with Malay, but everyone was helping me. And then, and then but the way that they helped me is like they, they say, you know what, you can teach too. But uh, in the end, I, I always felt like um, this is something enjoyable when I get to help people through teaching or when I get to show them how to do it. So yeah, it started from there. How were you during your schooling days? Did you get good grades? Um, well, you you know, and did that ever sort of um, dictate or uh, perhaps like you thought like you know if I get very good grades, then I might want to do something else? Or did that ever play into your mind? Um, talk to me a little bit about your schooling days. Oh, when I was in school, um. I think uh, at the start, like in my primary, I was like pretty average. Um, I didn't really care about exams at the time when, mm-hmm. when it was primary schools. And um, I had like different 
different ways of like saying, I'm going to grow up becoming like a fashion designer. And then I had a Broadway phase when I told my mom, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to be on stage and I'm going to sing. Um, yeah, that, that didn't pan out. So, <laughs> uh, but, but it's always, but teacher is always on the list. You know how like you have, always have a list right. of three things that you want to do. Um, I had so many things, but teacher is always one of them. Um, and, uh, I had like different interests at the time. I, I remember at one point, um, I wanted to become a hockey player. Oh. And my dad, my dad got me a hockey stick and I only played for um, two months. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I grew up in the stereotypical Asian household. My right. mom was the you know, tiger mom, you know, she always like, <laughs> wants me to do my best. Um, but at the same time, uh, they were very supportive on what I wanted to, to become until when I started saying for a long time, I want to become a rock star. I want to be on Broadway and, and you know, and I can't sing, you know, by the way. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, at the time the, the conversation was like, uh, you know, when you start, when after SPM, uh, uh, you know, when you start applying for stuff, you know, then, you know, I had that set down and then we asked about, because I went through, uh, I ended up going to metrics. And uh-huh. even though I had, I was having fun with my physics class and chemistry class, but at the time I wasn't that happy with it. So, because mm. I knew in my mind, like, oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I don't want this. So when I got the opportunity to go for the uh, teacher training college, um, then my mom said, you know, you've been talking about it for so long. Why don't, do, why don't you just go? And if you look at my mom, like my mom is an economist. My dad is a banker. So wow. I suddenly like the child is something that wants to do language. And obviously it looks for them, it's, it's a bit quirky, but they were very supportive. Right. That's great. What are key qualities um, to you? What do you think are the key qualities you need to be a good teacher? And what is your personal philosophy of teaching? Um, to become a teacher, I think like the key quality is first and foremost, you have to like kids. Mm-hmm. For someone for someone who doesn't like kids and you have to be around them and they have like a lot of different personalities, um, you, you first and foremost, you have to like kids and then uh, you have to be someone who is innovative and resourceful because each class and each um each class or, or, or each year that you're coming into, those uh, will be needing a, a different uh, a problem. Uh, you'll be meeting up with a different problem. You're being, uh, you'll meet up with a different needs. So you have to constant, constantly learn and constantly innovate something that is in the end is going to help out the kids. So uh, as a teacher, uh, one key thing that I think that is very important for all teachers to have is that to remember that by the end of the day, the, the star of the day uh, that, that has to come out with something is the kids. Right. And that is so interesting. Um, I, I think that it's fascinating that you bring up the, the, the key um, aspect to being a good teacher uh, is, you know, you have to like kids because a lot of people, they would think that, okay, uh, if I want to be a math teacher, I just, my, the key quality should be, I need to be a, uh, excellent at maths. Um, if I want to be a physics teacher, my key quality is I need to be excellent at physics, you know, things yeah. like that. But you brought up being good with kids, enjoying being around kids as a key factor. In your opinion, with that in mind, what exactly is the role of a teacher in a student's life? 
um, I definitely feel that we are merely guides for the kids. We are, yes, of course, you have to be an expert. You have to know your stuff before you're, te- uh, right. you're teaching, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you don't have to be the only expert in class. The kids, they have uh, uh, their own ideas. They have their own thoughts that they can bring. And, you know, they can contribute into their own learning, which is something that I feel like more teachers should do. We should give the power to the students to have some sort of say of how they want to learn because in the end we have to remember they are the one that are learning that so um yes i do believe that uh you have you have to be an expert but at the same time allow for the students to come in let them let their voice be heard in the classroom right now you brought up something else earlier and i want to sort of see how you reflect on this or perhaps you have already done right this idea that when you were a kid um it's not that you were this fantastic student, um, according to you, that, you know, got straight A's all the time and so on and so forth. You said like, you know, you, you were okay. And then like some subjects you didn't like and, and so on and so forth. I'm sure there are, you remember why um, you felt that way about your studies or why you didn't get good grades and so on and so forth. And I'm sure now when you are a teacher, you are dealing with students. I'm sure many students who are like how you were when you were a, uh, a kid uh, when you were studying how do you approach these students you know um when you said that yeah i always reflected that every time i face with uh, the, a discipline problem or <laughs> you know i i'm facing with a a, a a bit of difficulty in communicating or have or building a relationship with the students but i always felt that uh, it is important that we try to build the relationship uh in terms of on, on how we are going to deal with in, uh, in the class. How are we going, what are the dynamics in the classes? So I always built on that first when starting off the year or when I just uh, started with a new class, I always start off uh, by, by making first that, that bridge that I can have with my students where, you know, if there's a problem, you can tell me. It's always a safe space to tell me something. And I also allow them to give their, their suggestions that they want in the class. So that because I remember like last time, um, it was very passive. I was always on, on the desk and then it's either I do a presentation in front and then I can just sit down and not even listening. Hmm. So I do, uh, then I noticed that now, like um, if I'm just making that the same too, if I'm teaching the same way that I was taught at the time where I don't even, I wasn't even interested in the class, you know, I'm just, you know, moving on with the cycle. The cycle continues Then the kids maybe get bored as well. So I want to break that cycle. Uh, is very important for me. And then the second, when when the kids aren't doing so well, you know, sometimes we had some, uh, we had days. We we need to remember maybe do they do they need any breaks? And at the same time, I I like when my kids are looking at their progress rather than their end result so much. Mm. I want them to look at you know I have done this. Um, uh, this is how much I have worked for it. Can I do? Can I add some more? So that is something that we need to that is uh, being done by MOE, by the way, that we are actually want kids to look at the way how they work, the thinking process that is coming in when they are, when they are learning in class, rather than you know, saying at the end of the day, I got an A. Right. Absolutely. Now, do you, okay, let's follow up on that. Do you think in our current climate, uh, the way our country is structured, um, the system is structured, that students can can afford to approach education that way rather than the gung-ho, kiasu, sit down, memorize 24-7 because the system rewards 
a person um, just because of their their competitiveness and their ability to get good good grades, regardless of how they achieve achieve it. Um, I actually we are embarking mm-hmm. that now because if you look at how we have changed, uh, mm-hmm. from 2012 we already made a very major change in towards our assessment system. Right. Uh, right. So now even there's no UPSR now. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm teaching primary school. And before this, um, like uh, before three years ago, uh, it was that at the end of the day, we want the kids that get six A's or five A's. Right. And now there's no UPSR. So we can have these kids to have a deeper sense of learning, you mm-hmm. know, have deeper, uh, deeper learning where they can engage with the material. They can uh, actually interact and make their own sense of learning, uh, focusing on the things that they are like, uh, they like. And we currently, um, but when we move towards uh, SPM or or PT three, um, they they should have the basic or or um, at least the confidence knowing I know my stuff, mm. I know my stuff. So that's why I I I I really like that when UPSR um was eliminated, I felt that uh, we had at least can have now the kids have a basic uh, or solid foundation uh, where they can learn first or, or we can they can have a more positive experience in learning right so when they move forward to SMK you know they they can start you know using those application or, or the skills that they have learned uh, in primary to to get uh, what they want because right. when in in SMK that's where they start thinking about what really they what they really like on the show with me today is Chegu Nazira Rosli. After the break, I ask her about the joys and challenges of being a teacher. We'll be back with more on Redefining Success, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Redefining Success. I'm Dashram Johan and on the show with me today is Chegu Nazira Rosli. She's a teacher at a public primary school. So, Nazira, paint me a day in the life of a teacher. And I ask this because, um, you know, there's this phrase uh, that people sometimes use. And the, the phrase goes, if you can't do, teach. And basically, the, the phrase is saying like, oh, if you aspire to be an architect, but you cannot be an architect, then you just teach architecture. If you aspire to be an engineer, you cannot be an engineer. You, you know, you, you don't make it in the job market. Okay, lah, then you go and teach engineering. It, it, the phrase sometimes makes it sound like, you know, anybody can do it. It's an easy job. You go and teach, like you got the knowledge. But how grueling can your days get uh, in reality? Tell me about the different aspects of a teacher's day-to-day life. I'm going to tell you like on my <laughs> Wednesday. I think my Wednesday is the most packed Okay. Um, time uh, of, the, of the week that I always have. And it's a hump day, you know, like uh, it's already in the middle of the right. week and it's the, the most hectic day. So I start off like um, I'll, I'll have to wake up early at around five. I get myself ready and then I have to be in school by seven. Uh, so by seven, I have my duty where I have to wait in front of the uh, gate to welcome the student and also get the temperature. Uh, and then so they come in. And then I have a one and out half hour class with my year one. So that is 40 kids, uh, 40 students. So you have a 30 minutes break in between. And that break is not for you to eat or anything. It's actually for you to get ready for the next class. So I have my year six. So that's is like from year one, you know, very happy. Hi, you guys. <laughs> we're going to do slippery fish today. And then we're going to move. To year six, where they're they're oh, because they are adults, yeah. Year six, mm. um, they've grown, <laughs> so they don't want that. So we started talking about you know, uh, 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 so year six class is about an hour 
and and then another thirty minutes rest um, until I get to another one and a half hour class with my year five. Right. Um, and then I have to wait in class. Uh, I have to make sure the kids solat, the kids eat, um, and then I get them prepared for kukudi. Mm. So that is another two hours. So I go back at four. Wow. And yeah. then I come home, relax. <laughs> and by the way, we don't have like a specific time to eat. So oh, you eat whenever goodness. that you have break. <laughs> and then, um, so you get, uh, you get home, you relax a bit, maybe do a bit of house chores, and then you have to do your lesson plans. Basically, print out any worksheets that that you have to uh, prepare for tomorrow. Um, basically, that. Yeah, it's it sounds incredibly hectic, and it sounds like you know a teacher has to put so many different hats um, in a day because it's not just you're a teacher imparting knowledge you have to be security guard taking uh, <laughs> temperature checks then you have to be a disciplinarian then if people uh, puke in the class you have to go and clean the puke oh, and all I can tell you. yeah it's it's crazy right so how do you i'm sure there are days where in reality perhaps uh, you know you feel just as any other working adult feels like you know i oh, this is day i don't want I cannot, like this is one of those days where I just do not want to clean puke. I do not, I cannot tahan, you know, you feel frustrated and all. But you cannot bring that energy into the classroom, I'm assuming, especially in yeah. a classroom with kids, um, mm-hmm. primary school kids and all. Um, how do you do that? How do you, you know, despite a frustrating day, uh, you know, a day where you you feel you know, incredibly like, you know, you cannot take this anymore. Um, or you're in a, not in a great frame of mind. How do you convince yourself and or do you change your energy in a way and project a positive, uh, 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 cultivate a positive learning environment on those days? What do you have to do? Um, I, I would say, like, I, I, I do want to say that there mm-hmm. are times I ended up crying in the car after school because it was such a bad day. Like the kids weren't behaving so well. Right. And then you, uh, and then I'm, I'm behind on my my clerical work. You know, sometimes there are days that is such a bad day. But at the same time, I need to put into focus that none of these are the kids' fault. So I need to remember that. So I do not want to, you know, project anything to them, mm-hmm. or you know, ended up being so nasty to them or like nagging to them. But it's not their fault. I don't want that. So I always need to remember that it's not the kid's fault. And then the second part is that I always uh, practice self-care, teacher self-care. So teacher self-care is where you really take yourself away from school or lesson planning or, or students. You have to take yourself away from that, your mind. Uh, and then you basically uh, start really, I, I would list down why am I, why do I like teaching in the first place? Right. right. So I remind myself why why do I like this? Uh, you know. So so then mm-hmm. I when I go back to school the next day, I can reset my mind. So uh it does get a really uh you know at, at the time you can get so down when when everything doesn't work, but at mm-hmm. the same time you have to pull yourself, you have to figure out a way where you can pull yourself away from those negative thoughts. Right. And on that note, right, I want to ask you, what are some of the biggest challenges or the biggest challenge of being a teacher on that same vein um, what is the biggest joy of being a teacher um, my biggest challenge has always been how do I ensure all 42 of my kids get something at the end of the one hour class hmm. we have 42 kids in one class 42 personalities 
for right. 42 uh, different needs, right? And then I have another class. I have three classes. So that's around like 126. I'm oh, sorry, uh, uh, more than that. Uh, right. Needs, right? So yeah. that is like one of the challenges that I, I face. And, and, and you want to be able to provide for all. Mm -hmm. Right, so 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 that is sometimes uh the challenge. It goes to like the burden of to ensure that every single one of those needs are met. Um, but in a way, uh, the the my joy would be like um I manage to not uh let go much. I I manage to I manage to find uh kids where you know from them being so shy in class suddenly become this debater. I was oh. like. Yeah, right. and then one one girl, Nick Myra. Oh my Nick Myra. Nick Myra was such a such a good girl. Now she's in a in a fancy school in <laughs> And I saw I think like the most uh, when people say what's your biggest achievement was when I was teaching in Sabah. Ah. I was teaching in Sabah in at the time, you know, even I didn't know Pekan Spitang exists, you know, suddenly I have to go and teach right. there. And on my first year of teaching, that's my first year of teaching. Um, I actually managed to train a girl to do storytelling in the national competition. Wow. So it was never heard of at the time a girl from Sepitang went to a national competition. So I did it. So I always say like, I always want to tell a story because I'm so proud of myself. Yeah, absolutely. And you absolutely should be proud of yourself. That is an incredible achievement. How were things during the pandemic, especially the height of the pandemic, Nazira? Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as with, with the online classes and whatnot, I, I was just speaking to a, my uh, high school teacher who I hadn't met for 10 years. And we met at a wedding uh, last a couple of weeks ago. And she was saying that, oh my God, like, you know, she would <laughs> rather wake up every morning at five o'clock and, yeah. you know, prep and go to school um, then, you know, having that slight convenience of being at home or whatever, but having to do online classes. Um, what was it like for you? Um, did you have to change your approach to teaching? How did you have to deal with every student just keeping their camera off and you don't know whether they're listening or they're playing games or whether their parents are there to monitor them? What did you have to do? I would say like my experience would be a bit different from... Okay. Uh, uh, like my uh, high school teacher because mm -hmm. I teach primary school so mm -hmm. primary school students they don't switch off their, their cameras <laughs> and you also can hear the parents at the side right uh, yeah, so the parents would go eh, <laughs> so I always like I'm so grateful for the parents uh, from uh, from my classes that they always like make sure the kids are are, are, are sitting down and listening and do the games mm -hmm. um, I had fun actually during for me but at the at first it was always it was hard to figure out because you have to figure out at an instant. It's not like something that we were prepared for. Uh, you know, suddenly it's like the whole day you have to teach um, and then you have to start thinking of uh, how, how am I going to do this? Which platform? What apps can I use? Um, how am I going to help the kids? Uh, right. Uh, how to do it? So at the, at, at the beginning, yes, it was very hard, but at the same time, it gets to a challenge that was that was that was fine for me. Like, what apps can I find next? Uh, how can I surprise the kids next? What can I do next? Um, but I have that kind of mentality at the time. Mm. But um, that is the first year of uh, MCO, like the pandemic. Right. But the second year comes around. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you can see, like, the kids already had enough of screen time. Right. Start, like, the attendance go, uh, start going down. And, and they no, no longer wants to do, like, 
the video call they just like give me teacher just something to do and then that's it mm. you know um but so that's why i'm so glad when suddenly you know they say the kids can go back to school because at the time the it, the 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 hype or the uh the fancy way of learning at the time suddenly got suddenly gone and they they got bored of online learning right yeah. what did you have to do um can you give an example of because when you're in class um expect, mm. you know and you know you have to you have that ability to physically interact with the students you can go to their tables and 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 talk to them and interact with them even if it's kids who are playing around at the back you can directly go to their to their tables and say like okay let's let's uh you know like let's let's get down and let's let's try and and work on this or, or something you can you can make jokes you can do whatever you know you can even, I, i've seen like when i was in primary school like some, like primary 1 primary 2 i remember like te- teachers doing like silly little dances in classes <laughs> and and things like that which was awesome right because you know as kids we enjoy that but how do you do how do you translate that into an online setting at, at the time yeah it was because like i like to do whole class uh, learning right. so so when it's whole class learning everyone has to participate and uh, i do tend to say like uh, oh i thank you asha asha already talked i hear already uh, honey and i already heard asha can i hear so when when whenever i feel like uh, some of the kids are pulling away or what not so i just start coming in um a, a good way of doing that is having a check in before the class starts right. so i always have a check in so how's everybody feeling is everybody okay and ready uh, if they're not ready can i know why um so then at least i have uh some sort of an idea of what's going on with my my students and i mind you i have like so many of them at one go um and it was very hard because um when i i was teaching you one and there are things that i can no longer provide guidance to for example like their writing uh how you hold a pencil right. oh. uh using scissors now i'm teaching year one this year so this year one uh that coming that that just comes into school they had two years two three years uh, around two years of kindergarten online right <laughs> right right so now i have to go back to basics look at how they hold a pencil um how they 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 the psychomotor basically right. uh so so it was challenging at the time uh, when it was online but uh thankfully at the time some the parents will have to but mm. i just, uh, there are some parents unfortunately they are so busy and i understand that uh, and i feel bad that they couldn't help as much but they tried their best so mm. yeah hats off to those parents nasira what keeps you going um, you know why do you keep doing what you're doing despite the challenges um despite the ups and downs you know the pandemic having to do online classes um teaching can after all be a thankless job um what keeps you going Um it's always because I know this deep down this is something that I really love to do even though it's hard I like the challenge so I always want to do better when it comes to, uh when I know it's bad I know I can do it better so I always come back to 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 the reasons to why I like teaching right. and when you say thankless actually no there's some kids like I don't think I was that close and then suddenly I I got a text saying like hey teacher you made me feel um seen and heard and oh. and and at that time I was like crying when I mm-hmm. when I saw that because I didn't think I did much difference you know sometimes i felt like oh maybe i didn't uh, i didn't get to her heart but and then right. suddenly i got those texts uh, and my my students are, are 
I'm thankful. I'm thankful for social media because you know then they come back and then they, they just give me a text on how they were doing, right? What they what they, mm-hmm. what they're up to. And when you found out like that one girl that was so quiet in class is now a debater, and then we have that one boy who couldn't read at the time. Now he shows me his uh his marks in SMK, and I'm so glad. Even though you know it wasn't like the, the highest mark, but it's still there, and I I'm very proud of him. Uh, so so there are ways when when you just need to go back. Make sure you go back to the positive side and go back to the kids because they are the one at the end of the day. Gonna make you feel good about teaching. Certainly, Nasira, because this show ultimately is about success and how you define it. How do you measure growth? Now it can be however way you want to calculate it. It can be year to year growth. It can be month to month or anything like that. How do you measure that you are growing in this field? I I measure uh with how much differences I've made in that mm. year and how much uh projects I have done with my students that uh that actually touch them in a way uh they are allowed to use the different skills and I measure how how good I am at teaching and how much my students can uh can can actually use those time in class to to say um to to Sorry, to give to show how how they have the autonomy to right. Does money or revenue factor into the way you measure growth? Um, does your salary um matter? I mean, of course it matters, but does it factor into the way you measure growth? Uh, I think early on, starting mm-hmm. when I started the career, I had that kind of thinking because right. I yeah, I come from my mom and my dad. Right. It was like, uh, how's your savings? Uh, what are you doing with your savings, Nazira? You know, so so yeah. But after a while, I didn't. Uh, I don't start thinking about that because, like, uh, because like, if you go, you're not gonna go get so much salary when you're a government school teacher, right? So yeah, so those things. Uh, but you're still comfortable enough. Mm. Uh, you're still comfortable yeah. so I don't look at growth in terms of salary it, it, it will be the same uh, throughout the nation between government school teachers right. but but the, what makes you different from other teachers is if uh, how much have you provide uh, how much can you um, provide for for the ministry how do you give excellent suggestions for them to, to actually change do you uh, do you actually uh, are able to be part of some of the uh, decision maker because it at the end of the time uh, at the end of the day this, the decision maker is what's going to impact the whole of the future of the students of Nisha. So at the end, because that's my my goal my my end goal right now. So I want to be one of those those decision makers for Nisha. Fantastic! Before we wrap this conversation up. What does it feel like doing something you love every day? It's something that I can't explain in words, but mm-hmm. when you wake up and you know you're going to be very happy doing what you love, it's, it gives you a sense of, um, how do I say this? It allows you to have a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and that, was, that's, that gets your gears going in the right. morning and that's uh, absolutely amazing. On that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Nazira. Thank you so much. 
That was Cikgu Nazira Rosli. She's a teacher at a public primary school. If you missed any part of our conversation, you can check us out on podcast. We are available on the BFM app, bfm.my or pretty much wherever you get your podcast from. I'm Dashan Johan and this has been Redefining Success, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.